Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and usually I'm here with my conversation partner, Steve Weens, but he is enjoying some sabbatical time. So I've invited my friend and fellow spiritual director, Reverend Adele Calhoun, to discuss her book, Invitations from God, Accepting God's Offer to Rest, Weep, Forgive, Wait, Remember, and More. Each week, we will be discussing a chapter from this transforming resource and looking at it through the lens of the invitations God might have for us, individually and in community, as we emerge from this life-shifting season of the past year and a half. Before we share this week's conversation, I want to let you know that we have revamped our patron program. We are now giving patrons regular, exclusive bonus content that can be downloaded directly into the podcasting app of your choice. You can find out more and sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash transformingcenter. If you enjoy what we're talking about here on the podcast and want to go a bit deeper with these conversations, the patron program is for you. And now, here is this week's conversation with Adele Calhoun on her book, Invitations from God. So good to be back with you, Adele, to talk about the first invitation from God that you mentioned in your book, Invitations from God. And this is the invitation to participate in your own healing. You talked a little bit about this at the end of the introductory episode, but tell me again, why did you start with this one? When I looked at the book, I thought, well, that's an unusual place to start. I mean, you're like jumping into the deep end of the pool immediately. (laughs) So tell us why you started with that one. Oh, my goodness. Um, Because when I looked at our congregation and I thought, how are Mm -hmm. they going to hear any of these other invitations? Mm -hmm if they don't have a sense that there, there are things that need healing in their life, that there's brokennesses, resistances. Uh, and, and I was talking to one of the high flyer driven guys about the book as I was writing it. And he says, well, so wh- what invitations are you writing about? And I listed some, and then I, I said the invitation to weep. And he just looked at me, he said, nobody's going to want to read that book. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, guess what? there's a part of you that needs healing yeah well and you know what i think there's something about human development in what you just said too don't Uh, don't you like when we're younger we really do think that we can just soldier on and soldier through and that we don't need to heal that we don't need to weep that we don't need to wait i mean we're so sure that we've got all that it takes to go up and to the right and so there's i i do think that there's something developmental about whether or not we can hear the invitation and whether we can respond to it. And I'm actually glad that you said that because, you know, if you're not ready, you're not ready. That's right. And so then eventually you will be, and then you'll have Adele's book. So that's good. And Ruth's many invitational (laughs) books. Pick the one that that speaks to you. (laughs) Uh, Well, in our post-pandemic, you know, post-election cultural milieu right now and I know that we have listeners that listen around the world and I apologize if we're a little bit too Americanized here but we have really been through it here (laughs) and so you know I know that that there are other conflicts going on in other places and I'm sorry for being uh, so located in my own context but but you have to be we we have to be yeah we're all living in a particular context and I hope that the way we talk about it makes it applicable Mm -hmm. to other contexts as well but a lot of things just feel so broken on so many different levels right now. And, and I'm actually glad that in this 
cultural milieu, you are starting with the invitation to heal because with the pandemic, uh, the racial unrest, the most contentious election season that we've ever seen, that I've ever seen in my Mm -hmm. life, the insurrection that took place on January 6th, things feel very, very broken. So let's talk for a minute about some of the things that need healing as we emerge from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, There are those events, but let's say a little bit more about what feels so broken inside and and how we're all living with these things that are still quite unresolved. So there's there's personal brokenness that we all have to face mm-hmm. and it is totally what we're able to hear. I mean our whole life is growing in being able to hear truth about ourselves so that we can become more and more the likeness of Jesus. And it's it's suffering all these many many mm-hmm. little humiliations about not being who we think we are. That is part of the mending process. But COVID has brought up all the systemic brokenness. And I think people, particularly to people of privilege, who have benefited from a system and not even thought about it, that the places where the system is broken have been been so visibly evident in our country. Mm -hmm. So we have systemic racism, systemic sexism. And then we have the political divide that has entered the very heart of many, many families in America. That's right. And so then it's not just, well, my inner brokenness and the system's brokenness. It is our family's brokenness. Right. And I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but has your family been on the same page no, during COVID? No, Yeah. And yeah, where there's been quite difference. Yeah. In our family. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's very painful. It's very, very painful. And you don't, you, you know, we didn't have to see it or talk about it very much until we hit this year and the very specific things that happened in this year. And then all of a sudden they're, they're just out there and they have to be dealt with. Um, so I, I, th- I think that's absolutely right that, you know, we're, we often live aware of our own personal brokenness, but we don't always live aware of the systemic brokenness that we've had to face. Um, and, and even in churches, like we didn't mention churches. Oh, you're right. <laughs> but but the differences of people sitting in the pews, some churches don't even know how to come back together now that these differences have been exposed. That's one of the biggest questions I'm hearing pastors ask yes. right now is, yeah. I don't know how to bring this group of people back together because we, we've been, you know, in such different places. And now we know how different we are mm-hmm. and we don't know how to be together. And I just, I was talking to a pastor on the way over here this morning and he mentioned the fact that they are still in a place of a great deal of controversy about wearing masks and the way that they're opening and whether they're singing or not and some people are still digging their heels in and refusing to come back until we do it this way or that way and no matter what the pastor does it's not the right thing it can't please everyone it's you know Mm. for him it's more difficult than COVID itself is coming out of it and trying to navigate the coming out. And I have felt that as well. I have never spent so much time on writing announcements as I have <laughs> post-COVID. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I'm going to be speaking about, but I can tell you I have word-for-word announcements about how we're going to talk about COVID and masks and vaccinations and stuff like that. Isn't that crazy? At, but right before the last retreat we did, and I had written, you know, a word-for-word word page and a half of announcements about how we were going to come out of COVID, and I just said to somebody who was around me, I can't wait until I'm spending more time preparing my messages than preparing my <laughs> announcements about COVID. You know, because there's so many fine lines we're trying to find. You don't want to offend anyone. You want everyone to feel welcome, but you want people to feel safe. You know, some people are scared and some people are not. And 
it's that's right it's it is it's a time like no other i think yes and and it's pastors it's flight attendants Mm -hmm. it's i mean i was on the airplane and there was somebody refusing to wear a mask it's a federal mandate you know Mm -hmm. and watching just the animosity and then uh somebody told me the that flight attendants weren't coming to work Mm -hmm. they were calling in sick they were because all of the there yeah. was more animosity since flights have picked up than in in the whole year. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So we're all there's this edginess to mm-hmm. everybody, whether it's about personal safety or whether it's about get over it, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get on with it. That's right. Yeah. So how unwise it is for us to move on from here without talking about healing, mm-hmm. to just keep going as though nothing happened and as though these things are not now on the surface of our lives. So your call, the invitation to participate in our own healing feels more crucial now than, mm-hmm. it, than it was when you wrote the book because yeah. there's all these levels and layers now that we see mm-hmm. that we didn't even know existed before. And they're so nuanced and they're, yeah. so, um, they're so difficult. I was yeah. talking to somebody who is a philanthropist, you know, so they, they've got, they've benefited. They have a lot of money there and... Um, the person said to me, we've hired somebody, a, a consultant for our foundation to help us be more sensitive to all the systemic issues that are at hand. And one of the things is, is helping us earn, how do you earn allyship with people? Mm. And so the, you know, the philanthropist was like you mean i have to earn that mm-hmm. here i am giving a lot of money and yet i have to earn my mm. allyship so mm. you you start thinking about yeah. these things are are so nuanced and so mm. many levels i don't know answers i just feel like these conversations are huge i, I don't think we're going to get to all the answers here my hope for this episode is that we hear the invitation mm-hmm. to stop and to notice what needs healing and to actually participate in that process versus just going on as though nothing has happened. The other place that feels very, very broken to me is, is even how we establish knowing what the truth is, like the whole issue of truth. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if there's any place else we'd be talking about that, but to me that's been one of the most striking things. I've, I've never experienced anything like this where you try to put out there something that seems to have really happened, like the insurrection. Mm-hmm. It seems from my perspective to have really happened. We used to be able to at least agree on a few facts. We can't even agree <laughs> on the on facts anymore. How do you even have a conversation that's healing or that's unifying if you can't even agree? Like if 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 somebody identifies what your news source is, then they can just dismiss you altogether. Well, and, and I've had I, that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and I want to say, you know, the invitation to admit I might be wrong this may be maybe that's that, well, that yes exactly <laughs> that's where it comes yeah. up because if there's n- no facts that yeah. can inform my position mm-hmm. um, we're stuck we're we stuck are. yeah you don't even have a place to stand to have no. the conversation no, if you no, cannot no, no, no agree platform. on the facts so to me talk about a place for healing then mm-hmm. that maybe a place to start is even just to talk about how can we get to a place where we at least agree on a few facts that would be healing right there to well and, and to level. and to be at a, a place of aware aware enough to say everybody sees from a point mm-hmm. right that we all have we all have points as we look at something 
and my my slice is not the whole picture. Right, right. So, it's like the big elephant, and what part of the elephant are you touching? That's exa- exactly right. Um, and so, without that, I mean, we need we need to be able to say what the facts are. But even the facts we're looking at from a point, yeah, I think exactly. that was your point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That we can't even come to a place of unity on that. So then, you can, of course, you can't have the next part of the conversation mm-hmm. that you need to have if you can't even stand someplace together. Did Did you see the article? I just read it a, a couple days ago about uh, a study of churches and the different... I did. All, there are six categories yeah, of churches. Yeah, six categories. Yes, And how far a church mm-hmm. can spread to hold people of different persuasions. Yeah. I have not. It's a big article, and it's, it's, it's one that takes some thoughtful in, engagement, and so I haven't read it thoughtfully yeah. yet, but I'm, I've copied it. I, like, when I'm going to read an article, like I copy it off on paper, so that I can actually move away from the computer and take notes and underline things. And that's one of the articles I'm going to do that with it's because super. it feels so important um, so for important. us as church leaders and, and to understand. And it goes directly to the point of how how do we address how far to the right and mm-hmm. left people yeah. are and can they be mm-hmm. together. Yeah. It strikes me that one of the ways, and we're jumping ahead just a little bit, but that perhaps one of the healing practices then would be a commitment to just listen. Mm -hmm. That if we could listen to one another, determine that we're going to listen rather than fight and argue and try to prove our points and things like that, that there would be some healing in just knowing that we just listen to each other really well. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree, but we listen to each other and we believed in each other's heart and journey while we listened. Mm -hmm. Um, That could be... A and way to, to be a little curious. Yeah, right, rather than waiting till they stop to take a breath to get my own position That's in right. there, you know? That's Those right. kind of conversations are just terrible to be in. Terrible where, to be in. <laughs> terrible to be in, yes. I had another word, but I chose not to say it. That's my <laughs> transformation right there. I just want to point out my transformation. <laughs> I really related to the difference that you described between uh, receiving physical therapy and going to the health club or the workout facility and how that pertains to God's invitation to participate in our own healing. I, I remember times when I've had physical therapy and like <clears throat> I feel very good about getting there and having them do their thing, but then they give me this list of exercises I'm supposed to do on my own. own. And I sit there and I know I'm not going to do them. You know, that without the person there to actually do the stretching and the massaging and all that, I actually know I'm not going to do the exercises. I sit there and nod my head. But participation <laughs> is different than laying on the table and having them do their thing, right? So I really, I really related to that, and I wanted to emphasize this idea of participation versus passively waiting for something to happen to me. Um, you even say, <laughs> just oh, do it to make me. it happen to that's me, right. God. That's right. Would you just do it to me versus right. me having to really Please. participate? Give me patience (laughs) now. That's right. Um, And you actually say that our salvation is an ongoing invitation to participate in our own healing. Wow. I mean, like our (laughs) salvation is Mm -hmm. an ongoing invitation to participate in our own healing. How do we do that? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have an example from your own life about how you've participated versus waited passively for something (laughs) to happen? (laughs) I have tons. I have tons. <laughs> and I don't want to be asked that question, so don't even ask me. <laughs> I know you have just as many. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I think one of the, 
the things about writing this book, and you know, we've talked about this before mm -hmm. we either one of us were writing books, the um, that we're co-operators mm -hmm. with the spirit. Yeah, that yeah. there is this partnership with the spirit, and that God's part is to give us grace to do the thing we can't do on our own, so we can do it on our own. And our part is to risk and to practice. And so I think you you know that for every Lent, I try to, to do something that is uh, soul-forming. And so those are the easiest things for me to, to grab because they're 40 days, mm -hmm. and so they stick in your mind. And yeah. I, I think I've said this, Many people in the Transforming Center have heard me say, you know, that for 25 years, Doug told me I interrupted and I would always deny, rationalize and blame it mm -hmm. on him. And I just think I was unwilling. I was in a stage of spiritual development that was like, how could I possibly be that person mm -hmm. who interrupted? I, I had an image of myself that I could not let go of and a narrative about who I was that absolutely kept me from hearing. And when... One Lent, I gave, I gave up interrupting. <laughs> you know, I, I could see. It was like the plank in my mm -hmm. eye was taken out. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I had the humiliation. Mm -hmm. I suffered the humiliations of seeing how I wanted to interrupt and how so much of my conversing was, like you said, about me wanting to get my opinion into a discussion mm -hmm. rather than actually mm -hmm. asking the person to say more yeah. that I wasn't a good mm -hmm. listener and dismantling that narrative as a, mm -hmm. as a pastor was very humiliating. And so I think there's, there's often in this internal journey, mm -hmm. a freedom that comes. I mean, what a great freedom to be able to say, I don't have to interrupt. It really is freedom. Yeah. But it is a freedom that came with little deaths. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a real discipline. Like you had to stop yourself. There I'm mute. Self-mute. Yeah. Yeah. So th I have lots of, I mean, one Lent, I decided I'd ask Doug every single day, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. Because I became aware that my default was on the way home, could you do? Yes. Could that, you pick that up the laundry? List. Could you go to the grocery store? I know. Oh, I resemble that. Ouch. I do that too. And then, you know, so I was like every day, sometime in the day, Doug, is there something you want me to do for you? And like two weeks in, he hadn't said anything. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was like, do you even know that I'm asking you? Yeah. He probably didn't believe it was real. He couldn't believe his for his, his good fortune <laughs> to be married to this wonderful, enlightened That's woman like, now. <laughs> Or, and, and just another one, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Rather than jumping to, I understand where that person is coming mm -hmm. from. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge transformative. What I, I am, when I am a, addicted to thinking I know what people's motivations are. Yeah. I hurt myself yeah. and I hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just feel like I've got a long list. Because mm -hmm. I a lot of brokenness. Mm. You say in your book that transformation and healing always begins with cooperating with God where you are, not where you think you should be as a mature <laughs> disciple, but where you are now. Isn't that tough? I think you're naming the dynamic that all of us wish we were better off than we are. I think all of us wish we were farther along on the spiritual journey yeah. than we are. Mm -hmm. And so it seems to me like within this invitation to, to participate in our own healing, there's a real humility 
that's required to say, this is where I am. I'm stuck. I'm broken. I'm not as far along as I would like to be. I don't have the answers for this or for that. Um, why do you think it's so hard for us to be where we are now and to let God meet us there? It's humiliating. Yeah. And we all have stories that have wounded us deeply. Yeah. And the mending of those stories uh, take us back into wounds that mm -hmm. we don't want to feel or we we just want to ignore i mean even though they are impacting our relationships every day even yeah. though all of our pain is being transmitted um you know i love father roars every pain that is not transformed is transmitted that's I exactly mean, right. that's so mm -hmm. true in my mm -hmm. own life i've been the recipient of people's pain wounds yeah. and i have transmitted my own pain yeah. and wounds and and wouldn't the world be sweeter <laughs> if we would do the work so that we could hold some of the pain in this world yeah. rather than react. So I can. I <clears throat> went to a, a justice conference, mm -hmm. this is about four or five years ago, and there, was, there were some sessions on gender. And during one of the sessions on gender, uh, a, a woman of color stood up and was expressing with some anger her feelings about men not you know, the invisibility, the glass ceilings, just a whole mm. lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, a guy, a really good guy stood up and he said, this is the kind of thing that makes me want to walk out. Yeah. Because hearing, just hearing that, I felt like projection onto him and he didn't feel like that was who he was and he immediately pushed back. And... And I'm, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a raise my hand person and talk, but I raised my hand and I said, if you could just hold her pain, yes, that would be enough. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus did yeah. when he stood before Caiaphas, you know, he mm -hmm. held the pain of all those people that were angry at him and every, he, he could hold it. And I feel like if we can just hold something for a little yeah. bit, we can cooperate in people's healing as well as our own yes was he able to do that was he able to hear you because i mean <laughs> he, that's a big statement that you made and it's right on and, and I, I made it publicly yeah i mean i know up, that's unlike you so i'm i'm just kind of amazed that you did that very unlike me mm -hmm. but i was absolutely this is one of those cases yeah. where you know it's absolutely important for somebody yes, to speak that's right and he came up to me afterwards and said well you sure put me in my place mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I had a conversation with him yeah. about what it means to be in solidarity with people and with Jesus and their pain. And he listened. And I think every time I, I see him, you know, from time to time, he's a fixture mm -hmm. in the whole Boston mm -hmm. Christian scene. And I'd say 50% mm -hmm. of the time he reminds me of that mm -hmm. conversation. So yeah. I know he's taken it in. Yeah. I really appreciate the fact that you didn't leave her out there by herself also that you didn't you as another woman didn't leave her alone mm -mm. because I was I was nervous when you were sharing the story about what was really going to happen and sometimes we don't join each other in these moments when no. really important truth is being told and we need support so even I love the idea of this invitation not only to participate in our own healing but sometimes to get involved in other people's healing as well by God's invitation when it's the right thing to do because um, I'm sure that what you said made all the difference in how that moment actually ended up, you know, what the actual I think it landed very differently mm -hmm. 
Yeah. For both of them. I for mean, because if, if she hadn't been joined by another woman in the group, mm-hmm. that would have been detrimental to her, too. If no one in the in the group had called him to account at all, right. that would have been very hard. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. And now, Steve and I would like to take a moment to share a little bit about another way you can go even deeper on your spiritual journey around the themes we're discussing here on the podcast. We'd like to tell you about our transforming communities. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation experience with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community experience is designed to integrate your spirituality and your leadership and help you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. I was a part of TC6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. It is really hard to explain all that happens in this two-year, 27-month experience. So over the course of this season, we're going to be inviting different ones of our alums to share about what their Transforming Community experience meant to them. So here's what this week's alum has to say. I came to the Transforming Community in 2014 just completely exhausted, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I, I literally had nothing left to give which is really a bad place for a pastor to find himself. I was just completely at the end of my rope and I had no idea where to turn. But one thing that I did know for certain was that if I didn't pull out of this dark place I was in, I wouldn't be able to stay in ministry. And so I believe with all my heart that God led me to join the transforming community at that exact moment in my life. And I'd love to tell you I came home from that first retreat just completely healed and all ready to go, but we all know that's not how it works. How it did work for me, though, was to invest myself into Ruth's teaching about the spiritual practices that I frankly had just gradually let slip away from me in my effort to lead a church. And over time, healing did happen, and God worked and continues to work through the transforming community in my life, and the practices that I learned there still keep me grounded in my walk with my Creator. And it's not hyperbole in any way to say that the transforming community was the last knot at the end of my rope, and God used it in my life to get me healthy again and useful again, and not just as a pastor, but on a very personal level as a Christian man. And I'll be eternally grateful for God leading me to the transforming community and for Ruth's faithful teaching and direction, which led me back onto that spiritually healthy path. You can visit transformingcenter.org to learn more and to apply to the next transforming community. And now back to my conversation with Adele on invitations from God. You use the language of discipleship. What I noticed in reading this book again, because it's been all those years since I've read it, mm-hmm. I noticed that you use the language of discipleship and mature discipleship in this chapter. And I wanted to ask you and just have a bit of a conversation <laughs> if whether you think that's the same or different than our language of formation and transformation. So I, I have very strong feelings about what discipleship is and what spiritual formation yes. is, and that spiritual formation is the whole ball of wax. Yeah how we are spiritually formed from the cradle to the grave. Mm-hmm. And discipleship is a specific discipline. Yes. So, but I used the language that at that time seemed to be what would be most, people would be most receptive mm-hmm. to hearing. Yeah. I remember Dallas Willard, I asked Dallas specifically what his sense of the, de- of the difference was. And I really appreciated his answer. Um, and he talked about discipleship as being the practices that can result in our formation. 
Yeah. Oh, you know, great. Yes. yes. Exactly. And I just, I, I agree with that so strongly mm-hmm. that we, when we disciple, we, we help people engage in, in some practices that could open them to formation, but the formation mm-hmm. is still a mysterious thing. Yes. And even the, the way in which we enter in, I, I think speaks sometimes more to formation than some of the early stages of discipleship, the way it gets yes. articulated. Yes. You know. Yeah. And I think in, in historical terms, discipleship was often much more about uh, accruing information. That's right. And being almost mentored into different yes. aspects of the faith. That's right. What would you say to people who hear this invitation to participate in your own healing as being very weighty? You know, like there are certain Enneagram numbers in particular who might feel this invitation to be weight, you know, to be very weighty. Like, what do you mean? I have to go back and look at that stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to cry my tears. I, I, I don't want to muck around in the past. I just want to move into the future. Um, given all that we've been carrying this past year, do I even have the emotional bandwidth (laughs) for that? Like I'm barely surviving, you know? Um, what would you say to people who say, this is just too much. This is just too weighty. I, I'm just not that kind of personality. I don't do that kind of thing. I'm moving, I'm moving on. So, you know, it would depend on the person. Yeah. And I guess I, I would want to say, which is more weighty? Mm-hmm. The, the relationship you have with your wife now, you know, the relationship you have at work with your boss mm-hmm. now, the, the, the brokenness that gets manifest in other places that makes life difficult and, and frustrating and harmful, which is more weighty. Yeah. Going back and doing a little work, yeah, it's weighty. But I would not have survived in my marriage. It was way too weighty for some change not to happen. Yes, exactly. I mean, it would crush me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rather, oh. some humiliation yes, than this right. crushing. And a, and a marriage that's still intact, right? And a marriage that's still intact <laughs> that's right, 44 exactly. years later. That's right. That's and right. better mm-hmm. than it's ever been, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's my first thought. Mm-hmm. But what would you say? What would you say to somebody? Well, I th- I think that this question probably came out of a piece of awareness that has come to me in the last little while. You know, I went on a, on a sabbatical last summer. Yeah. And it was on the heels of a great deal of loss in my life. Mm-hmm. The loss of both of caring for both of my parents and their deaths. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Great, grave losses in the Transforming Center, like mm-hmm. a series of decisions that no leader ever wants to have to make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I put my sabbatical plan together, I realized that I needed to use the sabbatical time for healing, that, mm-hmm. I, that I could not just go on vacations and trips and schedule fun stuff, that that would not be what my journey really needed. And so I had spiritual direction and therapy the whole time, like alternating every other week. And good for you. And I, and and in therapy in particular, you know, I was facing some of the losses within my family and cried so many tears through that summer as in, in therapy. And I wouldn't have cried if I hadn't had the therapist. I'm going to talk about, I want to talk with you about that moment that you had where you were unable to weep. Mm-hmm. I needed to weep, and I know I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't had a therapist who was pressing in a little bit, uh, that was helping me to, to to name things and go to the place of feeling the things. And I thought as I came out of it, I came out of my sabbatical so much lighter 
on that level. Like, like I really moved through some significant grief to some places of deep acceptance that only comes after you have grieved. And I was so grateful that God gave me the insight and the wisdom to know that that's what I needed and to structure it for myself as a leader. I, I saw that as part of my long-term sustainability as a leader. I saw it as a part of investing in this dynamic you mentioned where I wanted to be a transformer, not a transmitter of pain. That if I didn't enter into this work, I would just be a transmitter always. And I mean, that was a specific always. prayer yes. throughout the summer is, God, I want to be a transformer of pain, not a transmitter of pain mm -hmm. in my family and in my work. And I don't want to carry all these tears and all this pain forever. You know, I'm, I'm finishing up a book project where I'm writing about Sabbath and sabbatical. And when I was writing, it came to me to realize that people are probably going to say, why in the world would anybody want to do that on their sabbatical? You know, like, just go travel. <laughs> just go sit on the beach somewhere. Don't do all that. But, but that was the kind of rest I needed. I needed yeah. a deeper kind of rest than just sitting on a beach somewhere. You know, and still holding my pain because you can hold your, your pain, pain in Italy right. or in, you know, on Lake That's Michigan exactly or in right. Florida. You still got you. You still got right. your pain. So, so you got to deal with it. So, I am I am really passionate about this one, this this invitation to participate and to do stuff. Like I again, I initiated. I lined it up mm -hmm. so that I had the kind of help that I needed for the healing that I knew I needed. Mm -hmm. So I am. Um, um, I'm just, I feel like for, for leaders in particular emerging from COVID, where they not only had to carry their own personal and private pains and losses and griefs, but they were carrying the pain for everybody in their congregation. That's right. They, they, That's took, right. they, they took so much. And it's no wonder that the statistics are showing us that 29 or 30 percent of pastors right now are considering leaving the ministry. And That's it's for right. this reason. It's because mm -hmm. they are hurt and they are in pain and nobody's helping them to heal. And they're just going to load on more work on top of a heart and a soul that's broken. You know, that's right. they're going to try to pivot. They and are. Everybody's going to shoot at them anyway. Yeah. And they won't be able to do it. I mean, no, Adele, you and won't. I know this. We know that they it. can't carry it mm -hmm. without this kind of healing. And so I'm <clears throat> prayerful that even us taking the time to talk honestly about this invitation will encourage many pastors and leaders to, to get their own healing before they try to go on. Um, so I, I just thank you so much for making this the first, the first information, the first invitation. So you know you have these nifty little charts in every chapter of your book, and I thought maybe we could conclude each of our episodes by having you just talk a little bit about the chart, um, where you talk about a scripture that's an encouragement towards this invitation, some roadblocks awareness, but then also the practices that might help. So do you want to just pick out a few things from the chart and emphasize that for us as a way to practice, as a way to think about how to say yes concretely to this invitation? So one of the practices that's listed in the little chart is healing prayer. Mm -hmm. And in, in my experience, it's a very humbling to ask for healing prayer. You know, it's one thing to say, could you pray mm -hmm. for me? And yes. but to really go and say, you know, I, I, I have to get better at not being so sensitive. Mm -hmm. I take everything way too personally. I need to be able to give the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. to people and their motives. Yeah. Would you pray for this thing and help me even mm -hmm. discover where it comes from? Why am yeah. I that way? Why am I so reactionary? And in healing prayer, there is this sense of, of having somebody who knows how to 
um, work with your memories and yeah. not just, you know, lay their hand on you and pray, but invite things out. Why is that so hard for you? Where mm -hmm. does it come from? So I think healing prayer is a is a, a wonderful gift because I don't feel like I'm in it by myself. Yeah. And spiritual direction, Ruth. I yes. mean, amen, sister. And yeah. therapy. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> amen. Yeah, but we both had spiritual directors who, yeah. who have taken us through deep That's waters. That's exactly right. And, and therapists. Yeah. Who even knows well. where we'd be if it wasn't for that kind of support for our soul selves? Mm -hmm. um, and spiritual friendship. Yeah. I mean, our spiritual friendship took us through deep waters. Absolutely. You at your mm -hmm. place of employment me at mine so that's right yeah it was it was you and I and Marilyn Stewart mm -hmm. um, who is now with the Lord and I've I I remember leaning into those times when the three of us would get yeah. together because I would know how you all would listen and I would know how you would bring out what you heard from the spirit on mm -hmm. my behalf and it was so powerful and so supportive and you and I've said to each other that it's been impossible to replace it what right. that was it has been has. impossible to replace, to replace because um, it was so, so meaningful. The, the last thing I, I would want to add, uh, in the book I go through sort of a, a lexio on John 5, 6, mm -hmm. and the um, man who's by the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. But Jesus' question to him is, do you want to get well? Mm -hmm. And I, I do think this is the invitation that Jesus is asking us, even as we come out of covid you know, mm -hmm. where do you want to get well? And are you willing, like you said, to enter the deep waters? Yes. Yeah. That can bring freedom. That mm -hmm. can change relationships. Yeah, That's it's right. going to be weighty. But you're not alone. Right. If you try to do it alone, you, you'll, you'll sink. <laughs> yeah. The end game is that you will emerge lighter. That's because right. those burdens will have rolled off and you will carry... You will carry the experiences of your life differently, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's what we want. I actually feel sad for folks who don't feel they can say yes to this invitation, mm -hmm. because they will walk through life carrying heavy burdens and weights that human beings aren't even built to carry. No, in that way, aren't built to carry. They are not. Um, and then that manifest in all kinds of psychosomatic and mm -hmm. relational pain. That's right. That's right. Our bodies will carry mm -hmm. it. Well, Adele, would you close this episode by offering prayer for those who are listening that they would find a way to say yes? Because I don't mm -hmm. think there's anybody listening for whom this invitation is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I think this invitation is there for all of us, and each of us has a path to walk with it. And so I mm -hmm. think people would be really blessed to have you pray for them, mm -hmm. that they would be able to say yes. Take a deep breath and let's turn to your healer. Jesus, you are the healer. You have asked us, do we want to be well? And you are willing to walk with us into whatever brokenness and mess, pain and bitterness that has lodged in us and to deconstruct it, to help us take it apart piece by piece 
and to see where even in the pain and the brokenness you have been working for our good and our growth in your glory give us courage mm -hmm. to step forward and to bear the humiliations of of not being who everybody thought we were or even being who we thought we were and to know that you receive us just as we are you accept us just as we are and you want to help us um, become lighter become the light in this world in our communities and so for each one that is afraid replace it with your presence that says I'm with you in this dark come healer and go places medicine and even psychologists can't go and do the work in us as we do the work with you amen amen Thanks so much for listening today. There are so many podcasts to choose from, and I'm grateful you have spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation by joining a transforming community. You can visit transformingcenter.org to learn more and apply. Also, thanks for your support of the podcast and the work of the Transforming Center. If you have enjoyed the conversation, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can become a partner and receive exclusive content by visiting patreon.com slash transformingcenter.